Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Hello and welcome back to the Space News Pod. I'm your host, Will Walden. This episode is brought to you by Magellan TV. You can go to MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod and get two months free of space science and tech documentaries. Anything you'll ever want to learn about space science and tech, go there right now and check it out. They're awesome people. Great documentaries. You can learn a ton. So if you use the URL, MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod, you get two months for free. And after that, it's only $4.99 per month. You can watch anything at any time, anywhere, on any device. High quality. It's HD stuff, man. It's really good. So go check it out. MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. Hello, everybody. Hello. Back. Welcome back to the Space News Live show. If you're interested in watching the show, if you're interested in watching my pretty beautiful face, you can go to Twitch and post that up right over here. So there we go. That's all we got going on right now. We got some Twitch. That's new. All right. I got to turn down my headphones a little bit. It's absolutely terribly loud, and I got to move the mic a little bit too. Thank you for checking out the stream. Thank you for checking out the live podcast, the live cast, if you will. hanging out doing some spacey stuff tonight I want to say thank you to Thomas Chang for subbing on YouTube Hecton for subbing on YouTube I don't know how to say this name because it's very long and convoluted but thank you for subbing on YouTube too thank you so much thank you on livecast for 222 stars, 427 likes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate every single one of you. You are amazing. And thank you to my Twitch channel. I am back live on Twitch again. So I'm going to be there from now on. So if you have any inkling, checking that out, go for it. You can see my face. My beautiful face. TwitchTV.com or Twitch.tv slash AstroWill. Going to be talking about NASA stuff today. Going to be talking about their AMA on Reddit. There's a lot of stuff that they covered in the AMA, so I'm just going to go down through kind of, I'm just going to go through the, the whole spiel. Going to go through the whole thread 
and make sure that everything gets covered because some people haven't seen it yet. A lot of people haven't seen it yet. I just want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to check out everything that's going on because there's a lot of stuff happening over at NASA. And mainly, mainly the NASA stuff was, um, it's about the Orion spacecraft, which will eventually send humans back to the moon. And it will also send people to Mars for the first time. That's what they're saying, right? Like that's the plan. And they want to have it done in a relatively decent amount of time so they can actually do the things that they want to do. Now, the first question on this AMA was how many of you recreate planned missions in Kerbal Space Program? Nobody answered. And <laughs> nobody from NASA answered that question. I know for a fact that people at SpaceX use Kerbal Space Program. And they kind of, they just play with it. I know people at NASA actually use Kerbal Space Program as well to kind of play around with, I don't know, just have fun with their jobs, basically. It's not part of NASA. It's not part of, you know, the whole uh, spiel of NASA. It's not part of their planning or their actual technique or technical specifications. So uh, they do play it for fun, though. So in the... Reddit AMA. This is going to be kind of like a weird podcast too, because I'm, thank you, Joseph, for those five likes. I'm doing it on Twitch too. So I'm kind of like watching this monitor over here on my right, this one over here, over there. And then thanks for those tens of applause too. And then on this monitor, I have the chat for CastBox because CastBox chat is really cool. I like it. I like both. So I have to make sure that my Twitch is going and my CastBox is going. Thanks for those 10 applauses. Applauses? Yeah, that's what it's called. Uh, Joseph. And how are you doing today, man? Hope all is well. And let's get into this stuff here. Where did I put that? NASA's Orion team said, on July 2nd, NASA successfully conducted an uncrewed flight test of the launch abort system for NASA's Orion spacecraft, which will help pave the way for Artemis missions that will send astronauts to the moon and then Mars. This test, the Ascent Abort 2, demonstrated that the abort system can activate, steer the spacecraft, and carry astronauts to a safe distance if an emergency arises during Orion's climb to orbit. During the three-minute test, the spacecraft, the fully functional launch abort system, climbed to an altitude of about six miles, traveling at more than 1,000 miles per hour. And at that point, the system's powerful abort motor fired 400,000 pounds of thrust, propelling the Orion test vehicle to a safe distance away from the rocket. That's crazy. Hello, admin. How are you doing? Um, Joseph, I'm doing great, thanks. Um, and in this AMA, Holly Griffin, who's a NASA safety and mission assurance um, person, and Alex Flanagan-Smith, who's from Lockheed Martin. Those are the two people that were in this AMA. Um, and they said, the, another question, King Pupper said, are there plans of a moon base? Because that would be pretty cool. And NASA answered, for the 2024 and 2028 missions to the moon, there are not plans for a moon base. Instead, we will have a lunar gateway that will be orbiting the moon. Our astronauts will descend to the lunar surface from the gateway. 
So basically, the Lunar Gateway, if you're not familiar, is sort of, it's a space station, basically. It's a space station that's floating around the moon. It's orbiting the moon. Yeah, how cool is that? They don't need it. Like, they don't need a space station on the moon. They could just build it off the moon. How crazy is that? That's absolutely insane. They do have plans, though, to build structures on the moon. They have plans to build a whole bunch of structures on the moon. Um, places where people can live and work and also um, play on the moon eventually. You know, right now, they're basically planning to get there, do their thing, and then get out of there. Like, use the Lunar Gateway as a place to, like, hitch up and then fly down to the moon. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. You know, I'm going to... One second here. Let me go to... I have to refresh this CastBox window. So if CastBox people, give me one second. This might stop the stream for a second. But if it does, stay tuned because I'll be right back. I think my window is being weird. How are we doing? There we go. Okay, we're all good. Can you guys still hear me on CastBox? Blathers, what's up, man? I did change my name, dude. I changed it. Joseph, thank you for that follow. Appreciate it, man. There's so much stuff going on. I have to do all sorts of things now. This is like multifaceted. So much stuff. Blathers, how you doing, dude? I'm all good. Sweet. Thanks, Joseph. Um, so yeah, the other side over there, over here. Egbert, yes, Blathers. That was me. <laughs> dude, I do. Look at behind me. Well, I don't know if you can see it. But um, was that you, Joseph, that followed on Twitch? Yeah, I just built this, dude. This stuff right here behind me, that's all stuff from like I from stuff that people have actually donated to the stream. They've donated to the podcast or like I made from ad revenue from the podcast. So like it's not perfect yet. I just kind of threw it up there to kind of like get an idea of what's going on with it. But um, it'll be there permanently very soon. Because right now, as you can see, like there's little little thumbtacks. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. And this mic, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna show you this. I had a that thing right there. Do, 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 do. That thing, Rode Podcaster, the Rode Podcaster mic, amazing, amazing mic. And I got that due to uh, Patreon patrons helped me out with that, which is really cool. I'm really stoked. Really stoked about that. Um, now Twitch is pretty cool. I used to do Twitch. I used to do games on. On, uh, on the old Twitch. Then I kind of backed off for a little bit because I had a lot of other stuff going on. And now I'm just kind of like doing this podcast, doing my thing. Because basically, I think I was saying this before, but like I would do, what, five hours of Twitch and get like one follower? <laughs> so it's like, dude, what am I doing? What am I doing? Five hours of Twitch and get like one follower. Wasn't worth it. I mean, I still love to do it. It was fun. 
but dude yeah yeah it was fun it was really fun um but it was literally like it wasn't worth the time to do it some will be slower than others yeah and that's the thing about um you know about podcasting and stuff too is that for some reason the podcast took off much faster than my twitch channel like much much faster like Castbox here like mm -hmm. i'm stoked because Castbox. um it's going well it's going super good yeah it is just the beginning of cast box and it's awesome i love it and i want to be part of it like i want to be part of the whole process you know not just be a podcaster but i want to help build this platform too has amazing potential. The live cast potential is insane. It's absolutely insane. So yeah, that's the that's the plan. I think I'm just gonna like do my thing tonight. You know, and sometimes on Castbox I have a bunch of people on my Castbox. Sometimes, sometimes I have, um, you know, over the whole cast, like 150 people show up, which is really great. And it usually starts with a few people. You know, two or three people show up. Other people show up a little bit later. Kind of steamrolls once we get to about 15 people. Then more people start showing up. Um, now, Twitch, on the other hand, as far as I was concerned, the uh, it, I usually had five or six people that would always hang out. Always, always, always hang out. And then it, it kind of shifted from those five people would shift in and out like five different people would shift in and out five to ten people and then you know every once in a while i would get 15 20 people when i was playing like battlefield or something and from there when you get like 15 or 20 people then 50 people out of nowhere and then it's like 60 people and eventually i had like 100 people at one point but then i kind of stopped i don't know why i really don't i just i was kind of burnt out like i was saying before there's freaking six hours six hours of work you know six hours of work and you don't do it you don't get anything out of it you might get some bits that was the cool thing too like twitch is cool because it's similar to castbox to livecast um you have on castbox you have um you know applause you have stars and on twitch you get bits and people can get bits for free so they can support the stream for pretty cheap uh they can just watch ads or they can have their amazon prime and like get their free subscription to your channel which is really neat uh but Castbox, man it is i think it's the future of live broadcasting no joke i want to support it as much as possible but i think this is the future of the way things are going to be done um i i do believe that you know, with the technology that's out there right now, you know, something like this, which is like straight up chat, like where I can interact with people and where we can talk about things together. It's awesome. It's amazing. So like, I'm stoked. I'm really stoked. Stoked for the future. And speaking of the future, <laughs> let's talk about the moon. Um, so the uh <laughs> thanks jim uh 
So from NASA's AMA, somebody asked, what about the descent from the Lunar Gateway? Is it going to be a uh, space elevator? And then NASA, of course, said, nope, not going to be a, a space elevator. That's weird. Is it going to be a, spa a space elevator? Nope, not at all. NASA said a lunar landing vehicle is in the proposal phase right now. So a proposal phase means basically companies come to NASA and they propose something to NASA or NASA's proposing to Congress and saying, hey, we need X amount of millions of dollars because we need to go to the moon again, right? We need all this stuff that will get us to the moon. And then, you know, we need X amount of millions of dollars to do it or billion dollars or whatever they're going to take from. So the fact that it's in the proposal stage in 2024 is when they're going to go. It's 2019. It's halfway through 2019 now. We have five years. If the lunar lander is in the proposal phase now, they have around five years to make a lunar lander. Now, that being said, Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos' company, already has a lunar lander. They have built it. Blue Moon is the name of it. And this is might be part of the proposal. So there might be a lunar lander that goes down to the moon and ferries people back and forth to the uh, lunar gateway, which would be really interesting. So if Blue Origin's Blue Moon can actually do that, then it's already done. And the proposal from NASA is just like, okay, we're going to propose that we use the Blue Moon and we send people to and from the moon with that thing. And we need X amount of dollars to pay Blue Origin to use their craft. That's it. You know, it doesn't have, NASA doesn't have to make their own lander because private companies can do it now, which is great. Like, that's what we need. We need that. Um, so that being said, if it's in the proposal stage, they may be looking for money, maybe looking for money from Congress. And then TNP989 said, how many humans are planned to go on the rocket? Will they set up a permanent lunar base? The Orion crew module is designed for four astronauts, astronauts, astronauts on deep space missions. For our 2024 mission to the moon, there will be two astronauts, said Alex Flanagan. Okay, so this is where it gets weird. The Orion crew module holds four people. The SpaceX Dragon capsule holds seven people. Why not use the SpaceX module? It's not quite ready for deep space yet. They didn't plan... Well, the Crew Dragon's built for deep space, but it's not quite ready yet. Orion is specifically built for Moon and Mars missions. So it goes through all the phases, <clears throat> all the planning phases of everything that needs to be done from the hull to where the astronauts sit, basically, what the instruments are, all of that stuff was designed from the beginning to be a lunar module. Crew Dragon is a crew module where they can ferry people from Earth to the ISS. Like that's their major thing right now. That's how they're gonna make a bunch of money from it. So it's designed for that first. If it's going to be a moon mission module, 
they have to kind of ramp it up a little bit. They have to beef it up. And they will do that over time. But, you know, something like Crew Dragon, where it can hold seven people, imagine sending seven people to the moon. Like, how cool would that be? A bunch of people? It's like a, a, like a small bus. It's like people in a van. You get people in a van and you ferry them to the moon. So that's pretty cool. Four astronauts in the Orion crew module would be pretty cool too, because usually we get, you know, we get two people going to the moon at once. Been there, done that. You know, why haven't we gotten better technology since then? Well, it's because we already know the stuff. And the way to do it again is to do the same thing again. And once they do the same thing again, then they can build on that. They can go, okay, we got two people there. We don't want to, basically, we don't want to kill four people if the mission goes wrong. If two, if it goes horribly wrong, two people, you know, lose their lives. But if four astronauts lose their lives in these missions, it's way worse than two people. So that's why they're going to do two people to begin with. They want to test it. They want to make sure it all works. And they want to make sure that it's okay to land on the moon again, that we know how to do it. So we'll send these two people up, the first woman to step foot on the moon and the next man to step foot on the moon. And then they'll do their tests. They'll do everything, make sure that everything's good to go. And then the next people will go up. And more than likely, you know, a couple missions down the line, there will be four people in that module. They'll be testing it for four people. And then four people go to the moon at the same time. So does Blue Origins Blue Moon hold four people, though? Can they ferry four people at once down to the moon's surface? How cool would it be if we shot an Orion capsule to the lunar orbiter and transferred them from there? You know, uh, it's basically a mini space station. So we, they go hang out at the space station for, you know, and do whatever they dock and they, you know, get ready to go down to the moon's surface. They do their project. They go to the moon surface, four people land, four people get out of the lander. How crazy is that? Then they go set up camp, you know, wherever they're going to be doing their project, where they're going to be doing their work. And the thing about that is that you can send a bunch of people up there at once. You don't have to just send two people. You can send four people. And then another Orion capsule could go up. You could have eight, 12 people up there at once pretty quickly. Um, so that's the... That's going to be really interesting to see how that all pans out. If they're going to work on only two people for a while, how long they're going to do the two people thing. Um, so Salty Marmot 5819 said, what's the best thing about Orion compared to other alternatives? Here we go. This is SpaceX stuff. The effort to get to the moon and beyond requires a team. Orion is specifically designed as a human-rated deep space vehicle that can withstand the tough deep space environment it'll go through. Orion will take our astronauts to the lunar vicinity, but successful exploration requires commercial partners that will deliver other important elements involved with explorations, such as the Lunar Gateway. You know, they're also working on not just the Lunar Gateway, they're working on rovers, and they're working on, you know, people to make moon bases. So it's not just rovers. And this Orion capsule is going to ferry people to and from the moon, but commercial partners will be working on technology to get them there whether it be part of their spacesuit you know maybe somebody makes boots you know and i'm just throwing these things out there 
I'm not sure exactly what the commercial partners will be making at this point. There are some that will be making uh, parts for upcoming missions, and I don't have them handy with me. Um, but I do know that they have always used commercial partners to send people to the moon since day one. NASA has been a, uh, a hub for commercial partners to make money from the government and also to send people to the uh, the moon numerous times. So um, the crew systems integration lead for Orion said, we've got a two safety systems integration into the design that are different than other spacecraft. If the capsule can no longer hold air pressure, we've devised an approach that will allow astronauts to live inside a spacesuit for up to six days. Enough time to return home from some lunar orbits. It will be unpleasant, but it will keep crew alive in an otherwise deadly situation. In addition, we have a more robust radiation shelter cap capability built into the heart of the capsule that is designed to protect the crew in high solar particle events. While all spacecraft provide some radiation protection, Orion designed for protection beyond the Van Allen belts. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. This thing is like, that's what I was saying before. It's human rated for long space flights. Like, the ISS isn't that long. It takes, you know, they go right up there. It doesn't take long at all. But this takes a couple days to get to the moon and fly up to the lunar orbiter, to the, the transfer station, basically. Um, but, yeah, if something happens, they have, they have these things in place, which is really great. Uh, let's see, what's the next one? How does a person go about trying to be an astronaut? I'm really interested. And they just sent a link. Here's, here it is. Uh, if you're interested. If you want to be an astronaut, you can check that out. I have to find a way to chat on everything at once. I also have to uh, get some new icons for my followers here on Twitch. <laughs> I have my old ones, which is pretty cool, but I got to... Well, I got to figure that one out. That's pretty cool. What the heck? There we go. How much additional G-force would a human undergo during a real ascent abort? You wouldn't black out from the abort, would you? Um, if bad winds guide the capsule to a land recovery, how much damage would happen versus a water landing? That's pretty cool. So these are the things that are important when you start out with these kind of projects. right? So you got to figure out, like, okay, if something does go wrong, what do I do? And will my people be safe? And NASA went on to say, in an abort scenario... For about four seconds, the astronauts will experience approximately 14 Gs. This may cause them to black out, but abort is, a fit, or is fully automated, so if they do black out for a few moments, nothing will happen to them. What the heck? 14 Gs? That's crazy. For four seconds, you get hit with 14 Gs, you'll pass out. Like, there's no... You just have to let your... Whatever. You're not going to fight that. Um... Pad abort one, which included parachutes, was done on land, and the crew module was unharmed. In addition, all drop tests done were on land. The main reason for water landing is that it cushions the landing more. The landing on land with the Orion parachutes is survivable. In fact, Orion can safely land with two of its three parachutes on land. Crew safety is a priority for the Orion design, which is why you see redundancy like this, says Alex Flanagan. That's crazy. This thing is really beefed up for um, let's see for a very 
tough vehicle. So this one is pretty funny. Hey, Jacob, how's it going? SpaceX has proven the reliability and affordability of recycling rockets. The technology has been around since the 90s. Why hasn't NASA invested in its own reusable rocket? Um, NASA has invested in reusable rockets through SpaceX, basically. That's what they said. They're investing in their private partners so they can continue sending people into space. Here is my Twitch channel. I'm testing this out tonight. This is just a test for my Twitch channel. And I'm just kind of messing around with it. Um, so if you have Twitch, go check it out. So there you go. That's just for a, a quick, quick look at my new office. Uh, not audio. I don't believe. I think it's video only. Yeah, I was I was talking to a uh, an admin a couple of days ago, and they said, uh, "Yeah, streaming audio is fine, so I'm good to go." Uh, let's see here. Let's see. I'm gonna scroll down the ones that they actually answered. What can the average person do to promote space travel? Uh, you had a you had great info on another show about that stuff. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, what can the average do person do to promote space travel? NASA said, it's a great question. If they aren't already aware, tell people about NASA's social media accounts and to follow them for information about all the space flight programs. By the way, yeah, follow every NASA program that you like, which is pretty awesome. Like all their social media is really cool and you can see some really cool stuff. And I follow all of them and you get like, I get overwhelmed by so much stuff, by all the stuff on the NASA channels, because I follow pretty much every NASA um, social media channel. Some of them kind of have a crossover, some of them don't, but there are places where, um, you know, there's basically just tons and tons of stuff. <laughs> Sometimes it does cross over, but there are tons and tons of things that go on. Um, and I might switch my stream over to my YouTube channel in a second, just because I want to test it. So I'm going to stop my Twitch channel because I want to, I want to test my YouTube stream too. So give me like one second to do that. There we go. And then I'm going to switch over to my YouTube channel. Oops. I believe this should just work. Eh, let's do this. Let's see what happens. Let's see if my YouTube channel actually works. Oops. Yeah, thanks for hanging out, guys, by the way. Um, it's really fun just to do this and to hang out. Let me see here. I think my okay. Let's see. That. There we go. Let me try this. There we go. Okay, so YouTube should be good. All right, let me link it up for you, just so we have the actual channel here. 
if it works. Let's see. Yeah, thanks for hanging out while I'm doing this too. The restream should be good to go. Let me let me do one more thing real quick. API Periscope. Hello, Periscope. YouTube is still being weird. But here's the Periscope channel. This might, I mean, I don't know if anybody uses Periscope, but there's a Periscope channel if you're interested. If you are, thank you for checking that out too. Checking it out. I don't know why YouTube is being weird. Recommend a 125 bit rate. That's weird. Huh. That's really weird. So anyway, this NASA thing. <laughs> Out and about in a boathouse. Dude, how cool are boathouses, by the way? <laughs> I'm just saying, that's a pretty cool thing to live on. So what I usually do as I do Periscope and I do Twitch at the same time through Restream, or uh, YouTube at the same time through Restream. But for some reason, it's not working out quite well with the uh, YouTube. I don't know why. I'm just checking it out, making sure that everything's good. But it seems to be okay. YouTube is... There we go. Here. There you go. That's a long one for you. All right. That seems to be working fine. Um, so basically, I'm going to go back to the topic of uh, space and stuff. So NASA said, follow all their social media channels. I can't really list them out because that's a lot of channels to, to list out. If I were to do a list of all NASA social media channels, Periscope's working, sweet, thanks, Jimmy. And that would take forever, forever to find them all. And I'm pretty sure, you know, NASA probably has them somewhere. So you just have to look, them, look at them or look for them somewhere. You'd probably go to NASA. There we go. Uh, Spotthestation.nasa.gov is one, which is really cool. Somebody said, watching the NASA TV stream, the launch abort system seemed to fire sooner than the announcer expected it to. Was that uh, nominal? One of our requirements, says NASA, for the ascent abort 2 test was to initiate the abort motor when the vehicle hit maximum aerodynamic pressures. The humidity yesterday caused the vehicle to hit maximum pressure sooner than anticipated. But everything worked as it was supposed to. Cool. So everything's good. Everything is good with the Orion spacecraft so far. And somebody asked, hey, it's BugBite14. That's who's asking this. Hey, I'm working or currently studying mathematics and was curious if there's a need for mathematicians in NASA. And if so, what do you need us for? And NASA said, absolutely. There are many opportunities for math majors in this industry. You could be involved in research, helping the, to write algorithms for analyzing huge amounts of data, signal processing, etc. There's a long list of what you can do with a math degree. So you just have to determine what interests you. 
So yeah, man, if you're a mathematician, there's no better place to work than NASA. Like, how cool is it? Not only cool, but what kind of stepping stone would that be? If you don't decide to work at NASA forever? Like, if you want to go to NASA for a little bit? And then go someplace else? Like, how cool is that on your resume? Like, that's the coolest thing on your resume. It's one of the best things you could ever have on your resume is, oh, yeah, I worked at NASA. So anybody who the, who's a mathematician out there and is wondering if NASA is a good place for you, go for it. Even if you're not a mathematician, seriously, NASA could use anybody. They have a place for everybody. They do a lot of different things. It's not just, you know, you don't have to be a nerd or a geek or anything like that in order to work at NASA. You can work at NASA. You can do something like I do. Like, you could just talk to people. That would be a great thing to do at NASA. They have people at NASA that are broadcasters, and they teach people stuff. So that's part of the thing. You know, they're science communicators. They have to talk to people and spread the message of science to people. Um, so, yeah, that's what would be really cool, right? Like, that's a really, really cool job. Dream job? I would say so. You know, sometimes, you know, you can you can luck into things. I've lucked into a bunch of dream jobs in my life. Like, I don't know, a lot of things that I was passionate about, a lot of things that I was really happy about. And another stepping stone in my life, another achievement in my life would be to work at NASA or work with NASA. I work with them a little bit through this podcast. I work with them. Uh, I'm basically a journalist talk to them, you know, and work with their, um, their media outlets. So like, that's a pretty cool thing. I don't get any money for it. Like NASA doesn't pay me for it, but how cool is it that I get invited to, um, like press things? Like, even if it's just a call in, like that's the freaking coolest thing ever. Just saying, I cannot complain. I can't complain. Nothing to complain about there. Uh, thanks for that follow. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, and if you like stuff like this, if you like space, science, and tech stuff, make sure to follow the channel because I do it every single day. Um, I'm doing it more live on YouTube now too, which I'm really stoked about. Uh, doing it more on Twitch too. But like the Twitch thing was just a test tonight. I wasn't sure if I want to do it or not. So I'm kind of leaning towards getting YouTube going. Because YouTube, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys, YouTube makes me, personally, more money than Twitch ever did. Um, Twitch made a little bit when I was playing games on it. But YouTube continuously makes money. And I don't do this for money. Like, for real. I don't do this for money. I do this because I love to do it. If I did it for money, um, I would be broke. <laughs> I do it for a living, this is what I do, and I do this on the regular podcast for a living, um, but I don't make enough to, let's see, don't make enough to thrive, I guess. You know, like how, how some people are like, oh yeah, I make, you know, like Joe Rogan, somebody like that, who makes like a million downloads per episode or whatever, and then 500,000 views to a million views on YouTube. Holy crap. 
dude's making bank. But yeah, you can make enough money to survive and do something you love. That's all you need to do. Teach me. <laughs> um, just do it, man. Like that's, it's like anything else. If you're passionate about it and if you really love it, go for it. Just crank it out. Get so much content out there, good quality content that nobody can deny you what you earned. So me, I kind of lucked into this. I did this because I was passionate about it and I wanted to have fun doing it. I was a web developer for 15 years, something like that. And fortunately for me, I had a really good job last year. And I put a little bit of money away. And then at the end of last year, I was like, I'm just going to try this, see what happens. If I can make enough money to survive, that's all I need shoestring budget like this mic this mic right here it is it's it's because um patreon patrons it's because my ads you know that's why i i got it that kind of stuff i had my gaming pc for my other job so that works out for the stream so that's great uh but the fact that you know, if, if you want to do it, if it's something that you love, just go for it. You know, do it whenever you can, however you can. Make great episodes. Work on it. You know, work on your technique. I don't have great technique. I just talk about stuff. I'm just a dude. Literally, like, I'm just a dude. <laughs> I'm just, just like everybody else. I just happen to have a passion for everything that I'm doing. Job ending, taking a chance. Yeah, dude, totally. Jimmy, yeah, that's that's what it was. It was my job was coming to a close. My contract was up, and I was just like, you know what? F it. I'm going for it. Thanks, Mason. I appreciate it, man. I will follow this. I'll follow this through. In November, there's going to be a launch from uh, NASA in Florida. It's a SpaceX launch, and... I'm going to go to it because why the F not? It's one of the things that I've been dreaming about since I was a little kid. I used to live, literally, I used to live in Orlando and I never went to a, a rocket launch. Never went to a shuttle launch. Never went to any of that stuff. So why wouldn't I do it now? It's going to cost a lot of money. And because I'm doing this for, you know, a little bit of, little bit of cash, <laughs> not much, uh, I've always asked, you know, like, hey, if you like the show, make sure to, you know, make sure to hit me up on Patreon or even just watch all my YouTube videos or listen to all the podcasts. The old podcast really helps. Like every single ad that plays on the old podcast makes me like just a little bit of money, which will help for the gas money to get there and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's pretty much all I can ask from anybody. Oh, you saw a launch in Orlando. Nice. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, I used to live um, actually not in Orlando. I lived in Apopka. I just say Orlando because it's closer. Like everyone knows where Orlando is. So, you know, I, it was close, but I never got the chance to go down there, which is silly. Like that's just dumb. I lived in West Palm Beach too, and that's a little bit further away, but 
I could have made the drive. I made the drive from, to Tampa from West Palm, so I could have made it from West Palm down to the Space Coast and seen a uh, a rocket launch. But I didn't. You know, it was one of those things where I was too invested in my career and doing other things. So, you know, I just didn't do it. But now's the time. Might as well. Got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. So, yeah, the the fact that like all this stuff is kind of happening at once is really great. It's all sort of coming together. Uh, let's see. NASA. Let's see one second here. Let me go back to this NASA thread. Has Lockheed Martin designed, built any components that will be used in the mission on the moon? If so, do you have renderings of it? Ooh, the Starlink. Okay, let me let me answer this question real quick, and let's get into Starlink for a second. So has Lockheed Martin made anything that's going to be used on the actual surface of the moon? NASA said NASA's, NASA's mission to the moon are currently in the proposal phase, so several companies are working through their proposals right now. Lockheed is the prime contractor on Orion. Of course, they're always the prime contractor for this stuff. And the Orion vehicle will be used to take the astronauts to the Lunar Gateway, says Alex Flanagan. Now, SpaceX's Starlink constellation. Starlink is a space satellite constellation. A bunch of satellites in space that will be beaming internet from the sky to a pizza box size piece of hardware. High speed, super high speed internet for rural areas. You might be able to get it in cities and uh, congested areas, but they're going to be focusing on rural areas to begin with. And from there, they're going to work on, uh, you know, getting it bigger and better. So Starlink, there's thousands of satellites, little kind of like briefcase sized satellites that will be beaming this internet. And they're kind of cluttering up the sky. Now, SpaceX has been working with astronomers and professionals to kind of tilt the satellites so you can't really see them when they zoom by. Because when they're low, like they all start pretty low and then they shoot themselves up into a higher orbit. You can see them from the ground. You can see them if they fly over your head. Um, you can look on, uh, what is this thing called? It's Starwalk? Yeah, Starwalk, the app Starwalk. You can look on it and you can see where the SpaceX constellation is. Um, but, you know, something like, you know, you have, a, you have a telescope in your backyard and you're trying to do some astrophotography or you're out in the desert somewhere and you're trying to photograph Jupiter. And 100 satellites fly over your head at once. A big swath of satellites blanket the sky where you're taking the photo or where you're taking the video. It ruins your shot. It ruins everything. And that's just a very brief recap of what it's going to do. It's called Starwalk, Joseph. Um, Starwalk 2 is the newest one, I believe. That's the one I use, Starwalk. And I have it on iOS. I believe it's available on Android as well. Um, so 
Yeah, so these constel this constellation of satellites will block out a big portion of the sky if they don't spin them properly, like orient them properly when they're in orbit. And they're working hard to get the satellites to a place where they won't be able to be seen. Now, that's going to be tough because there's a lot of them. And though they're, you know, right now there's really not a way for us to kind of judge how many will be seen at once because there's only, I think there's only 60 right now, something like that. I can't remember exactly the, the number, but it's somewhere around there. Um, but it's it's a decent amount right now. So imagine if there's 12,000 of them or 20,000 of them and they get shifted up into orbit, 20,000 satellites flying over your head. Not all at once. They're going to be spaced apart, of course, but it's still like you'll see one zoom over. You can see big satellites in orbit. If you look up, you know, if it's a dark night and there's no interference, no clouds or anything, and you can see satellites. You got to go to a dark sky site, you know, go to someplace where there's no street lights, no city lights. Uh, lay down a, a blankie for a little while and just look up. You'll see little tiny dots moving every once in a while, move across the sky. And you'll know they're satellites because they're not blinking like a, like an aircraft and they're kind of small and they go like one trajectory. They don't have blinky lights or anything. They just one solid light, like one little white dot and it goes across the sky. Very faint. A lot of them are very faint, but if it's really dark, you can see them pretty well once your eyes get adjusted to it. Now, if there's a thousand of those going across at once, you know, one right after another, they're in the same orbit, possibly. Um, that's going to be a weird, weird thing to see in the sky. Because that's never happened before in human history. Oh, yeah, the ISS, man. It's amazing. The Just recently, um, I checked out Spot the Station from NASA. Uh, search for that, by the way. If you want to look for the space station... Search for spot the station, and you can see where the station's going to, or when the station's going to fly over your head, which is pretty amazing. But there are people out there that don't even think that the space station's still a thing. I've talked talked to a couple of people, and they're like, "Oh, that's still up there." And I'm like, "Yeah, where? What do you think happened to it?" <laughs> they're like, "Oh, we thought it, you know, we thought it deorbited or whatever, or it blew up, or you know, burnt up or whatever." I'm like, no, 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 they still work on it. It's just that the news doesn't care anymore. So it's unfortunate that that thing kind of happens, but that's what I'm here for is to help people that are interested in those kind of things. Even if they're not interested. Oh, ISS detector for Android. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. What if it's for iOS? Um. But yeah, people that are interested or or are just have like a very basic interest in like science and tech, um, you know, maybe maybe somebody's going to be out there that would you know be interested in this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's that's why we do this kind of thing. That's why you have these chats. Now, that's why we're on YouTube and we're also on uh, Periscope and every place else right now too. So I'm really pumped that we're doing really well on these platforms and especially on livecast man this is great i love this place 
So I'm a big fan, big, big fan. And I'm working on more live shows. I was going to do one last night. And then I was like, wait, man, it's the 4th of July. Because I got all this stuff done yesterday. Like all this stuff behind me. Um, I, you can't see it on the, the radio show, of course, or on the live show. But on the video on YouTube, you can see it's like there's just little pins that, that are holding up this uh, studio stuff behind me. But I'm working on getting it properly posted up. I'm just kind of like figuring out as I go what the big deal is, you know, what the uh, how I should be putting like there's a spot right over here to my left that I should definitely put some more pads on some more acoustic treatments and uh, you know, some more, some more stuff for the studio. But that's just kind of one of those things that it's going to happen over time. Now let's go back to some NASA news. i like these conversations we have too. I like open conversations and I like when you guys ask questions. So if you have any questions, make sure to let me know. And also uh, if you haven't followed, and you're like these kind of conversations, make sure to follow so you get notifications when I go live so you can come in here and chat and hang out. Uh, is it possible at the future for NASA to collaborate with other private organizations also attempting to go to the moon and Mars, i.e. NASA and SpaceX working together? NASA said, our plans for returning to the moon do include partnering with private organizations, for example, the Lunar Gateway, <clears throat> the Gateway Lander, using commercial rockets to launch gateway components and logistical support. <laughs> and then somebody said underneath the next comment was, you guys are just dead set on this gateway boondoggle, huh? Which I think the gateway is a weird thing. I think it's really cool. And I think there's specific things they can do with it that they wouldn't be able to do if they just launched people to the moon. The gateway is a way for us to have a presence near the moon at all times. The gateway is basically a space station that orbits the moon. Um, and the gateway will harbor people on their way to the moon and from the moon back to Earth. There's experiments that will be done there to help astronauts live and work on the moon surface. So the gateway is important. It's a weird thing. And it's kind of strange that you know, NASA is really pushing for it because they know the importance of us working on new projects that have never been done before. So I think it's really important that they get this done. But it's also like we've never done that before. We've only sent people to the moon. We've all and we've had lunar orbiters, right? As astronauts are down on the lunar surface, they dock with uh, a ship in orbit and then they launch back to Earth cool. Now we're going to have a permanent one. This is really cool. So we can have people working up there for an extended amount of time as opposed to just one moon mission at a time. So that's really interesting. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, now let's go on to the next one, which is, let me get here. Would the vehicle being ejected be violent? What would the occupants expect to go through physically? I could imagine it would be an incredibly brutal experience. This is the Orion capsule. Um, in an abort scenario, in the, the Orion capsule is the one that they're going to be sending to the moon. For about four seconds, the astronauts will experience approximately 14 Gs. The astronaut seats and restraining systems were designed with this in mind. Though that is a lot of force the astronauts will feel, it is what's necessary in a scenario 
when the abort system needs to get them away from the space launch system as quickly as possible. The space launch system rocket is huge. Huge. Let's see a comparison. Um, let's see how big this thing's going to be in comparison. Just looking it up. There's a comparison uh, thing here. There it is. Okay. Space Launch System. SLS uh, Block 1. 98.1 meters tall. Falcon Heavy, which is uh, SpaceX's big rocket right now, 70 meters tall. So it's going to be 98.1 meters, 28.1 meters bigger than the Falcon Heavy. That's a huge rocket. The New Glenn, which is Blue Origin's rocket, just gets bigger than the SLS. Uh, this is the SLS Block 1, by the way. New Glenn is 99 meters. The Block 1 SLS is 98.1. So it's 0.9 meters bigger than the uh, SLS. USSR's N1 rocket, though, is bigger than the SLS Block 1. Saturn V is bigger than that, which is 110 meters. And the SLS Block 2 cargo is 111.3 meters. They're all very close. And then SpaceX, the BFR, 118 meters. Huge, huge rocket. The biggest. The biggest rocket. Only the best. Yeah, so it's absolutely immense. Humongous, humongous rocket. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a gigantic launch system. So the astronauts, when they're going to the moon, if something were to happen, so if something were to break, if something were to go weird on the launch, they need to get away from that thing. If part of it started blowing up on its way out of the launch system, on its way out of Earth, something has to trigger sensors to launch these people away from the rocket so they don't get hurt right so if the if the rocket explodes if something happens if, if one of the boosters malfunctions and the sensors pick it up and they go and the sensors go oh alert oh crap we gotta get these guys away from here and then they they launch these people away from the rocket for four seconds, they'll be in 14 Gs. It's 14 times the normal gravity that's on Earth. And they'll black out. They'll, you can't resist that. It's 14 Gs, and it's going to happen instantaneously. So you won't even really know it's going to happen. You might get some alert, like a, a, a beacon or an alarm real quick, and then you're going to get popped out of that rocket, and then they're going to black out. They're not going to be awake. You know, They're definitely going to black out. Lando, yeah, it's they're going to black out. <laughs> You're right. Um, you can't fight it. It's just going to happen. So that's pretty cool, though, man. And when you... They're going to come to... It's all automated. The system, the escape system is all automated. So 
when they do black out, they'll come to and they'll be safely uh, landed on the surface with parachutes. That's the plan. You know, that's the whole plan. It's like, hey, man, it's like when you see fighter jets, the dudes pull either, you know, near their crotch or near their head. They pull that um, the ejection thing, right? But this is going to do it automatically. It's autonomous. It's going to it's going to work on its own. The astronauts don't have to do anything because they won't be able to. They won't have the time. Lando, oh, you've been space and science your whole life. Yes, that's awesome. Good, 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 good. Yeah, same here, man. I've been interested in this stuff since I was since I was born. I think you know, ever since I was a little kid, I've always been into this kind of stuff. Really cool. Uh, hi, team. Thanks for doing this. This is another question for NASA. Pimp, Pip doesn't, Pip don't squeak. Asks, hi, team. Thanks for doing this and for your hard work on this project. Where do you anticipate difficulties with the test flight? How does the Orion's abort system differ from prior spacecraft? Uh, NASA said the ascent abort 2 test was conducted successfully yesterday, and Orion incorporates a launch system, launch abort system that pulls the capsule away from the rocket using engines at the top of the LAS. This pull system on Orion utilizes heritage design from Apollo's launch escape system. So basically they're using old tech from Apollo from the 60s, 70s. Um, which, you know, it works. If it works, don't you don't need anything else. A pull system can deliver the thrust and speed needed to outrun the powerful SLS rocket and get the crew to safety in the event of an emergency during launch. Orion's LAS eliminates unwanted mass on the way to the moon by jettisoning the entire LAS when it is no longer needed after a successful and safe launch. So, basically, um, these astronauts are going to uh, are going to be very, very safe at this launch. Um, sudden of the dwarf planet, right? Is that what you're saying? I just looked that up, by the way. <laughs> I just want to, I want to sound cool. <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> Sedna is a dwarf planet on the far outer reaches of the solar system. Sedna is a solar system body that is one of the most distant bodies found in our solar system. I've heard of it, but I, I wasn't familiar with it. Uh, the object closest approach to the sun is far greater than Pluto's distance away from Earth at a spot where the sun is so tiny, according to NASA, that you can blot it out with a pin. It's that far away. I think the UFO's Navy's reporting on Fox News is at ours. Uh, people see a lot of weird things. You know, and I know Navy pilots are um, and, you know, people are trained to see specific things. You know, we see, we see jets all the time. We see satellites all the time and we see weird anomalies sometimes. You know, I was, I was literally driving down the highway, like near my house. I was driving to the store and, um, you know, I saw a bright flash of light in the sky and I was like, that's not normal. And I also saw and I, I don't believe in UFOs. I don't believe... Why would they... Okay, so why would UFOs... Why would aliens come to our stupid little planet? Right? 
Why would they come to our planet and probe us? And why would they keep it a secret? Why is this a big, you know, why is it all a big secret? That's the thing that I don't get. Just say like, hey man, we're here. That's it. It's possible it's from the future. And if that's the case, why don't those people say, hey, we're here. Just come up, like come forward and say, hey. Hey, we're here. We're from the future. We can help you. Do you want to get messed up? Okay, these are the things you can do to not mess it up. But if they're future travelers, that'll ruin the timeline. The, the timeline that we're in right now. If the future travelers come back and they say, okay, let's divert this path that we're on right now and do this other thing. So the path that we're on now gets changed. But is that the right path? If the future travelers come back here and change the future? But is that supposed to be the timeline? If the future travelers come back and change it, is that the way it's supposed to be? Does that make the future travelers because they change the timeline? Or do the future travelers never come into existence because they change the timeline? What happens when they divert the train? Our timeline is the train and it diverts onto another track. Where does it go? Where does it end up? The future people might be, and I, I'm just saying uh, hypothetically, because time travel, we don't know if it exists. According to our physics right now, possibly we could go back in time. It's already happened, so there's a timeline. But future hasn't happened yet. So we don't know what's going on in that. So I'm just saying this hypothetically. What if the future people come back and steer us in a direction that will destroy the world? Right? The future hasn't happened yet, so we don't even know who these people are. What happens when, when these future people tell us, or when they, when they meet our leaders? Why would they meet the leaders? Take me to your leader. Like that was the 1950s trope or whatever, 1940s. Why do they need to see their leader? Can't they just be like, hey, we're really highly advanced. We're going to make our presence known. We don't need to hide behind the shadows of all these governments, you know, the leaders. Yeah, land on the White House lawn. Land on the Kremlin. <laughs> you know, these things have been happening. Aliens and spacecraft have been happening forever. There's been, um, I believe there's been, quote, sightings of them in the Bible, you know, what people think are aliens. But it's, you know, and think about this. When did aliens, quote, aliens, the ones that we know of now, become a thing? Is it only after science fiction movies started? Is that when people started seeing aliens and started reporting them? Is it after it got stuck in their head that these little green men and these shiny robots come to attack us? Dude, and how crazy is that, Jimmy, that we're on this gigantic, heavy orb that's spinning around at vast amounts of speed orbiting the sun, and we have a moon 
that's orbiting us and we don't feel it. We don't feel any of it. It's just what it is. Like we, we know it happens, but it's just so huge. It's such a huge thought that we don't really realize it at all times. Like you don't walk outside and you go like, whoa, the earth is spinning, you know? Yeah, and the sun orbits. Yeah, exactly. We're all orbiting the center of the galaxy. Everything is. We're all spinning around the galaxy. And then the galaxy, there's other galaxies out there. There's other galaxies that have billions of planets. There's billions of planets out there. Billions of stars. And we, just, we only know about a certain amount of them because we haven't even checked them out yet. We haven't even seen them with our, with our instruments. So if you want to blow your damn mind, just look up in the sky at night. Every star that you see has planets around it, probably. Just imagine every star that you see has five planets around it, even two planets around it. Those are planets that could possibly harbor life. Now, when I'm saying that there's no UFOs out there, I think the UFOs, the ones that people think are UFOs, whew, people, you know, I think they, got, they have something wrong with their heads. But I'm not saying that that's not possible. You got to keep it open. You got to keep it open. Even though I, I can't say that there's no such thing as a creator. Because even though I don't believe that there's, you know, uh, a Christian God or any sort of God like that. You don't know what happened before the Big Bang. We don't know. We can't look back that far. The observable beginning of our universe isn't observable. <laughs> like past that, that's it. That's it. Jimmy, a planet for every human. Yeah, that would be sweet. Uh, watch some Star Trek, Jimmy. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Watch some uh, Enterprise with that sweet intro music. <laughs> it's been a long road. <laughs> Worst Star Trek music ever. Worst Star Trek music. That's all I got to say. <laughs> But it's a great show. Have fun, Jimmy. Enjoy. Star Trek's great. <laughs> yeah, that song's going to be in your head for like three days now. Think of our reality being a type of holographic universe model. Um, the only thing I can think about that, Lando, is that if I think... Our, if our universe is a holograph, when did that the the idea of a holograph start becoming a thing? It's possible. I'm I'm never going to say something's not possible, right? But this holograph thing, it's pretty recent because people are like, oh, holographs are a thing now. Maybe their universe is a holograph.
my dog just whined. I don't know why she's whining. What do you want, buddy? You know, so, um, yeah, the, the idea that, you know, it's a holograph is pretty recent. And it's only because we have the technology of like holograms and AR and things like that, that people are like, oh, by the way, could this be a holograph? Are we not here? Is this all a weird thing that some other alien species with better technology? Are we like the Sims? Are we a computer? Are we a game to somebody? It's because people play freaking video games all the time, myself included. How cool would it be if there were, if you were controlling the universe? That's all it is. That's all it is. People are like, oh, cool. I've got a universe simulator now. That's what people think. So those kind of things are, are, are weird, are a weird uh, idea. What's up, Brendan? On YouTube, how you doing, man? Biologically simulated, right? Yeah, we're on uh, Castbox right now too, Brandon. Brendan, uh, we're checking out the live stream over there. Um, so, welcome to the show, Brendan. I appreciate it. First, this is the first live show that I've actually done on um, on YouTube with my camera on in a while. So, thank you for checking it out. Um, so if we do have a simulated universe, if it is a video game, when did that start? Like, when was the idea of a video game? Come on. It's because all of us, my age, were brought up on video games. Come on. Doesn't make any sense. There you go, Brandon. There's a link for you, buddy. We, it's because we only know, we know about video games. Like, how cool would it be, though, if, like, you could just control all these people? It's because we all played those games, like, um, you know, like The Sims or Red Alert or some Command and Conquer games where you could build a civilization, you know, when we were kids. So, and I'm an adult now, so I still play them. But it's like, dude, that's where we, that's where the idea came from. I think that's where the idea came from. Consciousness is still a mystery until we crack it completely. We can't prove anything. Yeah, exactly. We can't prove it 100%. I agree. And it's, uh, Brendan, by the way, that's only audio on CastBox. It's just, it's a regular podcast. It's a live cast. And if you want to see my beautiful face, I'm on YouTube. Um, so the, also, here's the, here's the live for YouTube, if anyone's interested checking that out i'm gonna be doing that every night too on youtube and on Castbox and on periscope every night because i think it's cool to be on youtube i just made this cool studio and um you know i just might as well use it right might as well use it i've got a camera whatever i got this light here that brightens up my face makes me look really good <laughs> cool thanks man um yeah so the fact that all these weird things are happening like it's a holograph like it's a hologram okay new technology we're near like we've seen that in, in uh movies right we've seen it in shows holograms video games it's technology we're scared of technology so what if we are technology people are like okay we're gonna we're gonna make this into a thing that we're we're, we're used to so we don't be as 
So we're not as weirded out by it, basically. We're not as weirded out by something that we're familiar with. So what if we're con being controlled by something in a video game? How cool would that be? It would suck. <laughs> it would suck. I don't want to be part of a video game. I want to break out of this thing. Oh, oh, I don't have VR, man. VR is awesome, but I don't have any VR setups quite yet. I plan on getting one eventually, but they're kind of expensive. And I don't have a PlayStation or Xbox, so um, I'd have to hook it up to my PC. Right, break out of the Matrix, dude. That's all you got to do. You got to break out of the Matrix. Um, you know, I'm going to start. So what I'm going to do from this cast forward, this is what, I, what I'm noticing right now, is that on the video on my YouTube channel, nobody sees what you guys are saying on livecast so mm -hmm. on my video i'm going to make sure that everybody sees what's going on in livecast so brendan if you're watching on youtube anybody else who's watching on youtube tomorrow i'll have that set up so you can see what's going on over on livecast so you can see people checking out the the stream and seeing what they're commenting on and seeing what they're chatting about so I'm going to make it an all-inclusive. Everybody's going to be part of this thing. Same with Periscope. I don't know how to do it yet, but I'll try to funnel it in somehow. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out for tomorrow. So it should be pretty cool. And, you know, I got a lot of stars tonight. So thank you so much for everybody who's been helping out the show. Uh, Super Chat is open on YouTube as well. Thank you for the new follows on uh, Castbox on Livecast. Appreciate that. We got three new fans tonight. Thank you so much. And we're working on more and more and more. We have 445 likes, 232 stars. Working on uh, 1,500 stars. That's the goal. 1,500 stars. And I'm going to start doing some cool stuff like that on my YouTube channel just so everybody knows that like this is going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing in the future. YouTube here all going to be available at all times for everybody because I got it all set up. Finally, it took me a little while, but I got it all set up. So yeah, anybody who's on Periscope, I'm not sure how many people are actually on Periscope. So um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue doing Periscope or if I'm just going to do YouTube and uh, livecast. I'm just, I might just do it everywhere just because because I can. About two people on Periscope altogether. <laughs> There's not many people on Periscope. Not knocking Periscope, I'm just saying. So I think I'm going to call it for the night, guys. I have to go out and uh, I have to let my dogs... I let my sister's dogs out. I'm watching her dogs, so I have to let her dogs out. Um, and I have to do some stuff outside of the studio. But tomorrow, I will be doing some more YouTube stuff. So if you want to watch on there, cool. If you want to listen on Livecast, cool. Periscope, too. Um, but what's up, LT Bear? How you doing? I appreciate all of the stars. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for all of the support thank you for the like tanvir appreciate it my gofundme i'm working on getting down to um 
to NASA headquarters, basically, to watch a Crew Dragon launch in November. Here's that. That's the GoFundMe, just in case you're interested. Thank you. Um, we already have somebody helping out. Uh, Blake helped out with that so far. He gave $50, so I appreciate that, Blake. I hit him up. I said, Blake, you are the man. Thank you so much for all that. Uh, where's the launch? Not really sure exactly where they're going to be launching it, but they are going to be launching in Florida. They're going to be launching at NASA. So not sure which launch pad, though. Because they're still working on the, the details of everything. Tentative date, November 15th. Of course, it's going to be, you know, um, Kennedy Space Center, that area. Could be Cape Canaveral. Could be space launch, SpaceX Launch Complex 40. Not quite sure where it's going to be, which complex it's going to be. But it's going to be awesome, and I already have a filmer, so it's all going to be on YouTube after that. And I'm going to be live casting it, and I'm going to be casting it on YouTube as I do the trip. So get over to YouTube. Make sure that you follow so you can check that out as I go. That's a live channel, by the way. Um, but the channel's available through there. So thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate everything from everybody. Can't thank you enough. I will be gone for now, but I will be back tomorrow. And until then, thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it here with me on the Space News Live Pod. And I will see you soon, my friends. Have a good night or day, wherever you are in the universe. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. You know what's wrong with health and fitness? You weaponize it against yourself. Why didn't you go to the gym today? You're so lazy. Ah, why did you eat that? You have no self-control. Stop it. At Beachbody, we think training and caring for your body in a way that works best for you should be about loving yourself. Let us help you without all the judgment. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.